do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. Got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Lobro Cube. How about that new show opening? Huh? My name is still, despite the new opening, Jordan Maywood, and I am still the lackadaisical Lobro Cubriculus, but some things have changed. Still, the show is like a journal where I talk about the things my brain has consumed so that it does not just sit in there and slowly drive me insane. Uh, You may not have consumed some of this media yourself, so I feel I should warn of that possibility. Last, but least, in an idea stolen from John Gabris, I offer... shit... Let me just finish this, and then I'll explain what's happening. Uh, I offer to you the following deal. Rate the podcast five stars in iTunes, and I will read just about anything you put in the review. Easy. Peasy. Socratesy. I will now push a button that will start a series of five. Five Five-minute timers like this. Push button. Okay, so that was a little rough. I will admit, uh... Over 400 episodes, I have done a different opening than that. This is my first time doing this new opening that I have written. Uh, Eventually, I will have it memorized, but uh, I had to read that. So, oh boy. (laughs) I like it, but uh, hopefully it will flow better like the old one did. The old one did just because I said it 400 probably 50 some odd times something if you count lost episodes and special episodes and blah 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 uh anyways (laughs) the rest of the episode should be the same as soon as i push this button like this and then for the record i did write push button in the description ladies and gentlemen let's get ready to review some things Today's movie monologue sponsor is Eddie's Indoor Ski Jumps. It's a slippery slope. Thank you for that sponsorship, you lovely, lovely sponsor. Movie the first, the last of the Resident Evil movies, Yes We Did It. Uh, It took eight weeks, but I watched every Resident Evil movie available. Ending with, of course, Resident Evil, colon, the final chapter, which came out in 2016, which, if my math is correct, was last year. Uh, Yeah, uh, it was fine. 
The end. <laughs> uh, Alice returns to where the nightmare began, uh, the hive in Raccoon City. So that was cool. Uh, the evil corporation is gathering its forces for a final strike against the only remaining survivors of the apocalypse. So some things we learn of this is that the zombie apocalypse that came about because of this evil corporation was planned. In fact, all the sort of head-up, high-up people within this corporation said, you know what, this world sucks and it's just getting worse. Let's kill everyone and start fresh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that seems somewhat unlikely. But the, the sort of main plot thread of this, which I found, uh, it didn't make any sense... Uh, was, if you saw the first movie, you know that there's sort of an evil computer little girl combo. Don't question that. Uh, and, and this, she's back, and she explains to Alice that uh, she's on Alice's side this time, and she wants the insanity to stop. But it has to be stopped within, um, I think it was three days. And then she gives Alice a timer that is ticking down. Now, the reason this timer is ticking down is because there's only apparently around 4,000, 5,000 humans left on the globe. And when the timer ticks down to zero, they will all be wiped out. There will be no surviving humans other than the ones saved uh, by the evil Umbrella Corporation. They're sort of frozen in cryostasis. Uh, my question there is, how do the, how is the timer so accurate as to pinpoint exactly when there will be no time left for these 5,000 humans that are scattered throughout the globe? And really, do they have every single human? Humans, like rats and cockroaches in an apocalypse, uh, if any other apocalyptic things have taught us, find ways to survive, maybe underground, or innumerable ways... Uh, so I find that sort of artificial countdown was kind of dumb. Uh, they could have just done, as they did, and say you have to get into uh, this hive in Raccoon City because it has the cure that will stop all the zombies. Now, I'm fine with that. I don't need more added to that tension. Uh, I just felt it was something added that distracted me with its ridiculousness. Uh, and that is me saying something about a, a series of movies that are incredibly ridiculous in their extremity. Hmm. Uh, that being said, I still liked it because I am an unprofessional reviewer of things. I will give it like a three or four. There was some uh, some cool parts. Uh, giant uh, uh, armies of zombies, which you didn't really see as much in the... In the other movies, so I like that. Uh, yeah, okay, so moving on to uh, next movie, The Young Offenders. Uh, let's see the imda here. Um, two teenage boys cycle 160 kilometers, that's something else in miles, uh, on stolen bikes pursued by police, mm, shouldn't be plural, by a policeman, to find a missing bale of cocaine worth 7 million euro. Uh, set around the real event of Ireland's biggest co oh I didn't know this uh, biggest cocaine seizure in 2007 of 440 million euro. Uh, okay, so uh, basically this just two uh, yeah I'm gonna go ahead and say it two really dumb kids decide this is a good idea uh, and they get into hijinks and with any sort of buddy movie it follows the classic uh, two really good friends. 
they're friends throughout. Something happens. They fall out of friendship. And then at the very end of the movie, they're friends again. Classic comedy duo thing. Uh, not necessarily anything wrong with following that formula that's been followed a Brazilian times before. Uh, and they do it well. And uh, there's things in this that I've never seen in movies. But it is a formula, I would call it. So for that reason, uh, I'm still going to give it a four, I think. Fucking timer that I'm not paying attention to. Uh, because I did laugh a fair amount. Uh, one sort of final thing I wanted to say. It took me maybe five, ten minutes uh, to get used to their very, very thick Irish accents. Like thick to the point where I couldn't even understand them for the first little bit. Uh, next we have Eddie the Eagle. Hmm. This is uh, based on a true story as well, apparently. Uh, the story of Eddie Edwards, the notoriously tenacious, I like that, uh, British underdog ski jumper who charmed the world at the 1988 Winter Olympics, which was in Calgary, which is in Canada, which is where I am. Huh. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> he's an interesting dude, and I wonder how much, like, if the, the Eddie the Eagle of real life saw this movie, would he... I think this was an accurate portrayal. I was sort of wonder that. A uh, bit of an odd duck. Uh, maybe not the sharpest knife in any drawer, really, let alone your drawer. Uh, but still endearing is a good way to think of Eddie the Eagle. Uh, does he uh, win gold in the Olympics? No. Does he steal our hearts? Yeah, for a little bit. Uh, the social has Hugh Jackman, who uh, I feel like I haven't really seen in much other than uh, Wolverine, so it's kind of nice to see him in something else. Uh, Rating-wise, uh, yeah. Just looking at the cover, and it says, uh, Delightfully Feel Good. And, uh, yeah, well, yeah I, I would buy that. I did a Feel Good. This is a Feel Good movie. Good Sunday movie rating. I'll also go four. Are we every movie getting a four so far jeez i think we might be uh okay last but not least is and now for something completely different uh this falls oh no it doesn't really i was gonna say it falls into the category of me starting a movie and then getting into it and realizing i had seen it before this kind of does uh, I started watching this movie and then realized that it wasn't so much a Monty Python movie as a uh, an anthology of sketches from the television show Monty Python's Flying Circus. So that didn't make it worse necessarily, but I was a little disappointed because uh, I had never heard of this, so I thought it was something I hadn't seen. But uh, it turns out I'm still pretty uh, up on all of my Monty Pythons. I think I've seen everything they've done, pretty sure fairly certain uh what it did do for me is uh bubble in my belly a desire to watch uh holy grail or life of brian or something else so uh don't be too surprised if you see one of those in an uncut in an album cup up at, oh boy <laughs> that is a sign of a seizure there in an upcoming episode jesus uh, we'll just go three out of five because of that disappointment, but the sketches are still good, so.
Television Talk. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Prison Panties Are Us. Okay, of Talking Oranges. The New Black, Season 4. I'm fairly certain I have brought back every season so far. Uh, One sort of right off the top wanted to mention here is that uh, if you listen to my past talks of past seasons, you will know I watched these with the missus. But uh, the missus decided uh, after season three, she was not buying. She was not having this show anymore. She said, "No, nah, I, I don't really care. You can watch it if you want." Um, my uh, season three, I, I think she is right. I, I don't think it was my favorite. Um, but uh, after watching season four, I'm glad that I am a uh, completionist and uh, decided to go on without her because this season I very, very much enjoyed. Uh, Why don't I get the writing out of the way? Because if I don't, sometimes I forget. Uh, I'll go as a sort of general rule, three out of five, but with some four to five parts and the uh, final episode cliffhanger, I'll go five out of five. Very much like that, which I'll uh, probably spoil or not. I don't know. In case you haven't seen it. Although I think this has been available on Netflix for a while now. Uh, It's June 2016. June 17, 2016. So if you haven't seen it, it's been about a year. Uh, You only have yourself to blame. No, that's that's not fair. You know what? Uh, I hear people on podcasts say things like that. Uh, Netflix is fucking huge. So if you haven't had a chance yet to get around to Orange is the New Black, maybe you're saving it for a rainy day. Uh, who am I to judge you're not watching it yet? Right? Uh, right. Okay, so um, some of the things I like of this is... Uh, shit, what's his name? Not Caputo. Well, Caputo I like because he's in charge. And he's sort of thrown into the deep end. Imagine suddenly finding yourself in charge of a woman's prison a woman's prison in which a sort of giant corporation has purchased so you're uh you're almost between the prison and the corporation in some regards uh the other problem he has is uh all the new guards have a sort of uh army background and uh are ranging from a little crazy to fucking dangerously menacingly insane like uh we thought porn stash was a bad guy there's a guy on this uh and this is not giving any story points points away so i will just say what he did to one of the inmates uh took one of the inmates i won't even say who uh but it was one of the girls with the eyeliner (laughs) uh and um forced her to choose between eating i think it was like 10 cockroaches or one uh, baby, almost fetus, uh, rat. Uh, and that was pretty disgusting. Like, you didn't actually see her do it, but you did see the cockroaches, and you did see the baby fetus rat thing, which was pretty disgusting. It looked like a naked mole rat, but, uh, but a baby sort of thing. Ugh. So, uh, even the thought of that, of, of not showing it, but the thought of forcing someone to do that, uh, sends shivers down your spine, so imagine if uh, the person in charge of your well-being was someone who would do that. It's pr- pretty, pretty horrific. Uh, what else do we got? Oh, uh, speaking of crazy, um, the Healy. Uh, yeah, that's the name I was trying to remember. He's sort of a, a counselor guard type. I don't really get his role per se, but he 
uh, over the course of this season also sort of slowly sinks into madness. Uh, this has come up on the podcast a fair amount of times that I love a slow decline in its madness. Yeah, I've had my own. So uh, to see it in fiction uh, and compare it to what I went through, it was sort of an interesting, uh, an interesting comparison you can make in your brain. Uh, and, and some things you could see sort of, uh, just to sort of put a bow on it at, at the end of this season, he has committed himself into some sort of mental ward. So, uh, good for, good for him. You gotta get the help you need. Uh, okay. Well, I, I didn't touch on some things, but that is what the time means when you stick to it. Today's book banter sponsor is Ball Demolitions and Decommissions Incorporated. Thank you for that. Okay, if you're following along, and I hope you are, uh, you will know that we are talking Darkwell, which is, of course, book number three of the Moonshay trilogy. Moonshay, is that how you would pronounce that? M-O-O-N-S-H-A-E? Moonshay? Uh, by Mr. Douglas Niles. Uh, this is the final title from the first Forgotten Realms trilogy ever published, which uh, I did not realize, but when I was looking for a little blurb uh, to describe it and had incredible difficulty finding said blurb, uh, that was basically the only information I could find. Uh, Darkwell was the final novel in the first trilogy. Oh, yeah, why do you say it twice? Uh, <laughs> let me see. Uh, I, I did find... Uh, and I don't even know if this is great. Like uh, Goodreads, which is a site that I'll usually have up when doing these book talks, will usually have a, a fairly concise uh, description of the of the basic uh, plot, give or take. Uh, but for some reason with this trilogy, there was virtually nothing, um, which is surprising to me because it has that sort of distinction of being the first uh, trilogy in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, unavailable for the past several years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it it doesn't talk about the book at all. It talks about uh, how it has been available or not available. Uh, so where did we leave off on the last one? See, this is my problem, and I will admit this is my problem that I am almost a book ahead of this book now. Um, so my memory of this is not huge. Uh, one sort of cap to it that, uh, I did enjoy was the fact that basically you have a realm in which, uh, its denizens are forced to come to grips with the fact that they have to fight a god. Ah. Uh, so picture a group of islands that are looked over by a, a benevolent goddess, uh, sort of Gaia type. Uh, that's where the druids get their power. The Earth Mother, they call her. Uh, she, over the course of these three books, is eventually killed. Uh, it's it, It's got some similarity to what 
is happening in real life in terms of uh, her realm was poisoned through pollution and death and destruction, just like ours is being. Uh, and all of that affected her in such a way that it killed her. Uh, so that meant that uh, there was a, a power void that uh, something could fill, and something that tried to fill that void was a god by the name of Baal, B-A-H-L, or is it two A's? spelt weird whatever it is uh so he comes into these islands who and he's always sort of had his eye on them but couldn't move in because this goddess was in a way and he sort of tries to be large and in charge and uh, i will say at the end of the book he very much is so uh he comes through this well and he's like giant like 100 foot tall uh god <laughs> that the 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 main characters of the book the kendricks have to fight uh so that was a cool scene uh the other cool things i liked of this was uh, and i don't know if this is canon throughout the forgotten realms but he ball uh in this book created some of the monsters that you sort of see in D D. uh specifically the owl bear which is as you can perhaps guessed by the name, half owl, half bear. Uh, it's mostly bear with a face of an owl. Uh, the phase beast, uh, that one's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I was listening to uh, Nerd Poker on the way home and they fought a phase beast. So that's quite a coincidence. Uh, anyways, it's like a big sort of leopard jaguar thing with tentacles coming out of its side, which is, uh, you know, horrifying right there. But it can also sort of phase. So... The way it works in D&D anyways is if you were to try to hit it with your sword, uh, it probably wouldn't be where your sword was. It would just sort of look like it was, which obviously makes it hard to kill. Uh, and lastly, uh, he created, and I don't actually know what these are called, uh, vulture antler wolf things <laughs> uh yeah i don't know what they are in the D, &D realm so uh if you're listening to this now uh basically they would fly around sort of like vultures but then i think they had wolf heads but then also had antlers <laughs> it was a real fucked up greasy thing uh one of the sort of freaky things i liked about those was they never made any sound so like uh, you picture a normal bird attacking it's going to be uh sort of loud or cawing or whatever uh but they would just attack silently even when killed you hit them with a sword it would just make a sort of silent <laughs> horrifying uh okay so uh let's do my rating for the book Although, despite my not remembering it, come on, cut me a little slack. I did very much enjoy it. We'll go uh, four to five. And uh, for this series as a whole, the Moonshade Trilogy, I will also go four to five. Uh, and just sort of to let you know, uh, I have moved on to a trilogy that takes place just after these books. So, uh, although, no, actually it does have some of the same characters. It, it takes place like, uh, I don't know, like 20 years after or something. So, uh, expect that next book banter. Why don't ya? Why don't ya? Game, Gavin. 
Uh, today's game, Gavin's game, Gavin. Oh yeah, today's game, Gavin sponsor is rather a double television talk sponsor. What? It's a new show coming to Fox. It is Alien Colonoscopy. Thank you for that sponsorship. Yes, that's right. Uh, I hadn't uh, because I'm sort of wrapping up playing a D and D, which uh, maybe we'll get into in a later game, Gavin. Uh, I didn't have time really to play any video games uh, in the last little while since Doom. So uh, I decided because I had a bit of a backlog of television talks, I would do a double television talk, which I'm not sure if I've ever done before. Uh, normally it's double movie monologues. Anyways, we're here to talk about television, specifically Joe Rogan Questions Everything. This is available for your viewing pleasure on Netflix as well. Uh, okay, so let me start off by saying conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, I don't have a big interest in, uh, I am not a conspiracy theory person, so perhaps that explains the lack of interest. Uh, that being said, uh, I, I like Joe Rogan, uh, I've listened to his podcast on and off, uh, and he's an interesting dude, to, uh, I think that's what we could say. The, the sort of knock against him, uh, if there is to be a knock against him, is the thought that a lot of his followers let's call them and it does sort of have that feel are what i would classify as guy dude bros guy dude bros uh meathead types i think potentially um which is not fair i don't think to him because i think he uh is a smart dude who uh <laughs> see i can't i can't help but throw in the dudes there who likes to think deeply of things uh, I think you could probably say that of him, and and I appreciate anyone who likes to look at things and think deeply on them, regardless of what they are. So, uh, to see him have this show, I decided, hey, I'll give it a try. Why not? Uh, okay, so um, it was only six episodes. Uh, I don't know if they did further seasons. Um, and uh, if they did, yeah, I think I would watch them. Uh, okay, so why don't I give my rating? Uh, I would just go a solid three, maybe depending on the episode. Um, if you're unfamiliar with my rating system, uh, you should know that uh, threes I use for enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. That's my sort of, not down the middle necessarily, but close. Uh, okay, so he's did a Bigfoot to start. Uh, the reason I like the Bigfoot one is because I remember in high school doing a project on, like, Bigfoot and Loch Ness. So, uh, and, and, and those Bigfoot hunters and, and, and people around the idea of Bigfoot are usually weird. <laughs> and, uh, that's something that can be said of the show probably almost every episode. Yeah, probably every episode. That he does talk to a lot of weird people. So... Uh, if you like weird people, and I hope you do, hell, you're listening to this, you must a little bit. Uh, that's one reason to watch the show. But he does sort of split the difference where he'll talk to some weird Bigfoot people. But then he'll also, and this is what I appreciate as well, talk to scientists. Uh, so covering it from sort of both ends of the spectrum. Also, he has on quite often uh, Duncan Trussell, who I'm also a big fan of. Uh, listen to his podcast as well. Uh, okay, so next we have Weaponized Weather. 
Uh, yeah, this is one of the weirder ones. The government using weather as a weapon. Uh, I don't know. Seems a little... This was probably... What was it? I think this is the biggest conspiracy one out of all of these. Uh, we've got Robo Sapien. Uh, this was just the idea of robots taking over robots uh, and what they will be like in the future. Or uh, the Singularity. That was cool. Uh, uh, they even had uh, Mr. Krauss, what's his name? Lawrence Krauss? Maybe getting his name wrong in that one, so that was cool. Uh, Bio-Apocalypse, yeah, real close encounters. You gotta have UFOs, I guess, if you're gonna do a show of this nature. And lastly, Psychic Spies. Ooh. I think Robo Sapiens was probably my favorite just because of uh, Lawrence Krauss. And I'm probably <laughs> getting his name wrong. Today, <laughs> excuse me, I should get a drink there. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is, what is it? Today's is Beetlejuice. Try our delicious cold pressed Beetlejuice. Delicious Beetlejuice. What do you think of this? <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? Beetlejuice. Okay, uh, item the first, the Todd Glass Show with guest Burt Kreischer. Uh, something about Burt Kreischer where everywhere I turn, he's there lately. You ever have that with a celebrity? Uh, usually I find it happens on podcasts um, where someone suddenly, they'll be on every single podcast, they'll be on every talk show. Usually it's... Uh, when someone's going around plugging something, uh, like I remember it happened with Norm Macdonald when he was plugging his book. Everywhere I turned, I saw Norm Macdonald, and it was a goddamn delight. Uh, lately, it seems to be happening with Burt Kreischer. Uh, and I don't know why that is. He's not really plugging anything on the things that I've heard him. Uh, and uh, it, it, because of this, it sort of caused me to go over and check out his own podcast, which I very much like, uh, to see him on the Todd Glass show. I knew, and goddamn, I was right. The two of them together are like a whirling dervish. Yeah, they're like a whirling dervish. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said they're like, I've, I've said whirling dervish. I don't think I've ever meant it before. Uh, but that's what they are, and that's a stupid fucking thing to say. Uh, if, if you want to listen to a podcast where they have to make lists of all the things that they're speeding past so that they don't forget them because they're so manic to get to fucking to the comedies, uh, you will like this. In some regards, it can make you a little on edge, though, so you just gotta sort of, you know what? Listen to it at half speed. It would probably be hilarious and uh, maybe a little mellower. You don't know. Uh, okay, so next we have uh, Sean Evans of uh, First We Feast, uh, Hot Ones fame, and Papa Roach, the band, eating insects? <laughs> One of the band members even said, and this is true, they missed a, a perfect opportunity here, uh, they didn't eat cockroaches. Come on, if you have the band... Papa Roach, and you get them to agree to eat insects. Have them eat a goddamn fucking Papa Roach. Duh. 
Uh, okay, so uh, kind of an interesting video, I suppose, but uh, what was more interesting for me is the idea, and see it more and more lately, that uh, sooner or later, we as a human species will be eating bugs. Apparently, uh, so much easier to grow bugs than cows, if you want to just boil it down like that. Uh, the need for protein for humans is high and getting higher. Um, the amount of uh, uh, energy, whatever you want to call it, carbon footprint, energy, water, food, everything to create a cow. I'm just saying create. Uh, versus to create the same amount of meat that you would gain from bugs uh, is astonishing if you look at the numbers. So uh, probably it's not even probably, I would say it's just a matter of time. And uh, it's one of those things that we have to get our minds around. Uh, I personally don't think it's such a big deal. Like I could, I could eat a bug. Yeah. Why not? Pass the bugs. Some of them uh, looked pretty good. Like uh, one of the things is like, it's not just like, here's a bug, eat it. It's like, here's a bug that we have covered in fucking candy. Enjoy. Or here's a bug we've turned into flour. Uh, that sort of thing, not just eat a bug. Uh, okay, so next we have Funhouse. Funhouse, as I always mention every time I bring them up, which I've bring them up a lot over the course of the times that I've uh, watched them on YouTube, that uh, they are the only YouTube channel I subscribe to of the many that I do where I watch every single thing that they put up, just sort of period, full stop. Uh, last thing... Uh, 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 a Google Trend Show specifically is what I wanted to bring back. It's a show where uh, Lawrence on the show, the Trend Master, <laughs> Trend Master, uh, will pick two. Uh, uh, there'll be a, a two groups of two. I think that's how it's always going. And he will shoot at a trend. Uh, so for example, racism, and then you, uh, your teams will have to pick a word to combine with the word racism and, uh, go on Google trends, which is a thing that sort of shows how much people are searching for a trend on Google. Kind of interesting just that that exists. Um, excuse me, excuse me. I had McDonald's on my way home. Speaking of burgers, hopefully no bugs in it though. Uh, and then, uh, whoever has the most points at the ends win sort of thing. And the, the thing I love of it is Lawrence, the trend master and his convoluted ratings, uh, uh sorry, rules. <laughs> well, that sort of goes in hand in hand with my often incredibly, although didn't really do any of this time so much, my often incredibly convoluted rating system that really is rules that have nothing to do with anything and just fit my mood. Uh, he seemingly has rules like that for this uh, Google Trend show. <laughs> that uh, it was really good, really, really good. This this one in particular was good, but they're all good. So um, the the theme was racism throughout. So they somehow made that funny, which is dicey, right? Uh, okay, last but not least is a TED Talk title. TED Talk title. TED Talk title. Man, I haven't brought one of these back in a while. Uh, why women should tell the stories of humanity. Uh, so uh, this was sort of a beautiful combined with sad combined with, oh man, I'm glad I'm a guy. Uh, it, it basically very much, well, let me read the little blurb. You know what? I, I very rarely 
um, cut out blurbs from YouTube. And in fact, I think this is the first time I ever did it, but uh, I read it and it sounded good. Uh, for many centuries and for many reasons, critically acclaimed creative genius has generally come from a male perspective. As theater director Jude Kelly points out in this passionately reasoned talk, that skew affects how we interpret, interpret even non-fictional women's stories and rights. She thinks there's a more useful, more inclusive way to look at the world, and she calls on artists, women and men, to paint, draw, and write about, film, and imagine a gender-equal society. So, uh, gender equality, hear more and more of it, rightly so. Uh, still got a long way to go. You know what I always feel like, uh, and I don't know if I've ever spoken of this on the podcast, but this, this is a thought I, like, constantly have uh like i how do i say this like i don't like saying that i'm a feminist not for the reason that i'm not because i am but for the reason that i feel like i am going to be thought of as white knighting so uh i always feel like people think i'm just saying that for the reason that oh this guy's just trying to uh, go with what other people he just wants to be liked he just wants to go with uh, uh, what's happening in society today it, he's doing it more for himself more for his uh, pride of being a feminist than to actually help women uh, I, I guess is that how you would uh, how you would describe white knighting uh, so to say I'm a feminist always gives me a little cringe because quite often I, I, I don't know, like uh, that's more something I hope that's happening in my brain that it is in others. But, uh, somehow I brought back a Ted talk about, uh, uh feminism and the need for gender equality and turned it into a talk about myself. So congratulations, idiots, folks. Final thing to say is always a final thing to say, which is, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper